0: Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Burke, a landscape architect here in the Puget Sound region, and you are listening to the Green Meridian Podcast. Many landscape designers know their plants and paving and might creatively lay out a patio, visualize a landform, or know the soil. But how can one really sense the true spirit within the landscape? Thinking about this, I've been drawn to researching the myriad cryptic arts, ancient beliefs about plant systems, and mysterious philosophies that can inform and open up our thinking about what landscape designers do. We've built a number of award-winning garden exhibits for the Northwest Flower and Garden Show here regionally, centered upon ideas such as these, from a display we call Mirabilia, built around the legend of King Arthur, but really rooted in medieval beliefs around plant materials, to a best-of-show garden titled Portage to the Pacific, based upon the explorations of Lewis and Clark's core of discovery and Native American nature mythologies. Our last effort, La Palabra Pintata, was a collaboration with New York Times bestselling author Nick Bantock, the author of the Griffin and Sabine series, and was built in part as an homage to the Alhambra. The fact is, history really interests me. And I think for many, the fascinating magical underpinnings of our work from hardscape layout and architectural geometries to horticultural systems and selections are based upon a bedrock of history. And as part of that, magic. While we can only just touch upon the subject here, there are varied and arcane ways of looking at the earth, each view fascinating, unique, and inscrutable, instilled with a grain of truth and a basis in faith. Years ago, I was placing large-form boulders with a rock setter on a site. Before digging into the earth while the backhoe was getting set with its large articulating arm, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a metal wire, basically a coat hanger, and then he slowly walked around the site holding both ends of it. untwisted coat hanger forming it into a y shape what are you doing i asked dowsing he replied this will show us if there's water below the grade "Uh uh-huh i snorted no really he said i've been doing this for years i keep the dowsing tool under my seat in my truck sure enough we dug later where he indicated and i'll be damned if there wasn't an unexpectedly high water table right where he pointed okay so i consider myself a bit of a pragmatist i'm not Not a lot of woo-woo at my end, but last night, I looked in wonder at the beautiful moon, and I thought again for the thousandth time, how much do I really understand? We take for granted the changing of the seasons and the moon's pull on the tides. We celebrate holidays rooted in ancient traditions that we really know little about, and we use plants that ancient peoples thought had magical powers. Who am I to feign to understand? Given this, what if we were more open to the hidden knowledge from these ancient systems, that purport to help us sense the spirit within a place or the comfort that a client may feel. What are some of these ancient systems? Just as acupuncture was not an accepted routine Western medical practice two decades ago, some of us have come to accept and are curious about feng shui or what might be called earthen harmony. This ancient Chinese aesthetic practice aligns heaven and earth to receive a positive key energy. This ancient Chinese system informs the orientation of buildings, paths, and axial arrangements in reference to topographic, stellar, and compass points. The Chinese idea of subtle earth energies can be said to parallel the Western concepts of ley lines, dowsing, and geomancy that I'm going to be talking about. This Chinese art is concerned with the relationships between human beings and the subtle energies of nature. Pardon my pronunciations, but the term Ti Li, or position on land, is often noted, as is Kan Tu, or cover and support. Both feng shui and Ti Li center around the idea of subtle earth energy, or what are called dragon lines, with respect to building orientation. I was working on a project a number of years ago with a Chinese gentleman, and we worked through a number of iterations and animations and renderings on the project, going so far as to sign to do the work together. The Sunday before the Monday we were prepared to start, the client's wife had hired a feng shui specialist to perform some divination on the site. I got a call late Sunday night from the client noting me that the job would have to be postponed indefinitely because the feng shui specialist had determined that, quote, digging in the West was inauspicious at this time, unquote. That ended that effort. But it got me thinking that perhaps we need a feng shui specialist in our office. As my kids attended a Waldorf school back in the day here in the Puget Sound, I've been drawn to the thinking of its founder, Rudolf Steiner, and the design intelligence inherent in biodynamics, a natural-based system that is the basis for a new international movement in agriculture and viticulture. Biodynamic thinking helps form a holistic balance within the soil and plant systems by means of a fermented herbal and mineral preparations and a planting and sowing calendar centered in the rhythm of the seasons and the phases of the moon. Founded in compost and natural process horticulture that appeals to many, biodynamic results are evident and its proponents are growing like sweet pea on a summer day. Dowsing, as I noted earlier, is defined by the action of a person using a stick, a rod, or a pendulum to locate minerals, underground water, or notable objects buried in the earth. The dowsing rod is sometimes called a doodlebug, Some think electromagnetic tension may cause a dowsing rod to point downward, but others consider it involuntary mental ideomotor action. Geomancy is a systematic way of thinking that results from a scattering of rocks or pebbles, the resultant pattern or markings in the ground, largely intuitive and in part based upon defined pattern charts. Geomancy has also been based on the writings found in the I Ching hexagrams. Geomancy may be based in part on feng shui, as rock positioning relates somewhat to a human map of acupuncture points. Other odd forms of divination include hydromancy, or divination by water and the ancient process of lithomancy, astrological prediction made by placement or casting of stones, gems, or twigs, branches, and leaves. Stones were sometimes inscribed with glyphs and ciphers, creating the basics for runic symbols. Similarly, rhabdomancy utilizes wands, sticks, arrows, shafts, and rods. Numerology centers around the association between physical objects and numbers. While we may scoff at numerological beliefs, don't be surprised to learn that your Traditional Chinese client chose you as the designer because your estimate had an eight in it, or conversely didn't want to sign your proposal because it had too many fours in it. Ley lines can be thought of as invisible linear connections between meaningful sites, holy shrines, and spiritual rock alignments. Believers contend that certain locations on the planet possess a greater spiritual energy because of this. Here in Seattle, the Seattle Arts Commission funded a $5,000 survey to tune the ley lines of the city. Hey, it's the Pacific Northwest. You should come visit. I find the ideas around Vastu Shastra really intriguing. Vastu Shastra is the fascinating Hindi science of construction that is centered upon specific alignments for a building direction. Okay, forgive me for mangling the elegance of the Indian language, so bear with me. Based upon the five elements of earth, or bumi, water, jala, air, vayu, and fire, agni, vastu thinking is based upon the definition of space, or what's called akasha. An invisible thread of relationship between these elements is the understanding that a person can improve and benefit from a balancing of all of these elements in context to each other. One interesting notion is that of the central courtyard, the brahmasthanam or nuclear energy field exists. Held in an open space, it is likened to the breathing space of a home, a precious place for ritual or open gathering. In addition, corner areas are assigned specific purpose based upon a connotative God, Northwest for seed and grain storage, Northeast for worship, Southeast for cooking and Southwest for sleep. The Vastu Purusha Mandala forms a diagramic basis for design. The northeast corner of a site is considered prominent and the source of energy, while alignment of the body in conjunction with the sun and east-west axial relationships dominate in design. Hey, I know that condensing centuries of metaphysical thought into a short podcast certainly doesn't give these topics the respect they deserve, but perhaps this list can open up a new world of esoteric symbolism, ancient mythical belief, and nature-based understanding that might infuse your next garden design. At least the discussion might pique your interest in one obscure facet of landscape design and spark your imagination in a new direction. Look, I don't necessarily follow every belief that claims to center in some kind of magic, but you'd be a fool to not be awestruck by the unexplained mysteries that we witness every day. I do find fascinating all of the ancient beliefs and magical properties ascribed to plant materials, if for no other reason that it roots our work in history. That's an episode in itself, I think, but the fact that mythology is a key facet of a career that you feel passionate about, well, that just puts more flavor into the work, doesn't it? In our modern world, we would like to believe that we've grown far from the world of mythology. Yet, for many of our celebrations are founded upon ancient customs that we scarcely know anything about. The universe is more massive and filled with wonder than we can comprehend, so far be it from me to claim some kind of higher truth. So, what kind of metaphysical design magic have you been up to lately? Hey, I'm a Scorpio. Forgive me for being direct. Thanks for listening.